0: Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, whether for fun or profit. Welcome back to the GeoMob Podcast. Today my guest is someone I've known for a very long time, and actually, um, I, I don't know if you know this, but the, you are the person who got me into OpenStreetMap. Uh, I'm joined today by Mikhail Marin. Mikkel and I were colleagues way back in the glory days at Yahoo. When we used to make the internet by hand every day, um, then uh, anyway, a couple years after that, we both ended up in London. Right when when OpenStreetMap kind of took off, the I remember um, the first Google Maps mashups and that kind of stuff. So. Um, and and since then, of course, you've gone on to to much else within OpenStreetMap. Um, so yeah, I think you're the longest-serving board member of all time uh, through across various terms of, of the OpenStreetMap Foundation. Um, worked on many different projects, uh, including the creation of what what became uh, the humanitarian Map team. Um, you worked at uh, Mapbox, which uh, the, kind of the definitive OpenStreetMap company for quite a while. Um, and 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 you're actually still now an Open Foundation board member right now. So. So we have a lot to talk about, um, Mikkel. Welcome, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, thanks, Ed. I uh, I was thinking about it, and I think from the people that I work with in our field, and that I'm you know that I'm interacting with or um, connected with, you're. You, you and I, like, as the longest in my career, we've, we've known each other the longest because there's very few people that I'm still in touch with from the Yahoo days. It was so long ago, until like 25 years ago. But I can't think of anyone else who's actually also in the mapping space as well. So that's, that's kind of awesome. We've, we've seen a lot. And I didn't, I didn't remember it was me exactly. I'm not surprised it was me, but didn't remember exactly how you had heard about OpenStreetMap. So that's, I'm, I'm happy to have been that person.
0: <laughs> if if you'll indulge me in one small story Mikkel, cuz I remember at that time um you had been you know working on that uh, that Google Maps hacking book had come out and and I think you had like a chapter in that or an example or something mm. that O'Reilly book and and so I moved to London and I was starting um you know I wanted to build a real estate search service and at that time it was super innovative just that you could like put a pin on a map you know this was this was groundbreaking So, you know, we met up several times and and, uh, you got involved a bit uh, and pointed me in the right direction on things. And I I will never forget this. One time we went, um, then you were like, hey, we're working on this project called Mapstraction. Maybe your business would like to sponsor Mapstraction um, as a kind of, because Mapstraction could be useful, but also as a PR tool and as a way to... You know, uh, uh, get the brand in front of relevant developers and things like that. Anyway, I remember we met one time for lunch to talk about abstraction. It was you, me, and you brought along Steve Coast, um, and you and Steve Coast were going to work on this. And it was the first time I met him, and so we talked about abstraction. And after that talk clarified, Steve like pulls out his GPS device, which was like I remember it being big and clunky, you know, like a shoebox or something. And I was like, "Oh, what's that?" And he's like, "Oh, we're making a map of the whole world." And I just remember thinking to myself, "You know, he kind of explained it to me." And I was like, "Like, you know, ju- just do map abstraction, buddy. <laughs> like, don't don't get distracted here." You know. <laughs> don't so <get> distracted. <laughs> yeah.
1: I love how understated he was. Yeah, he was just <laughs> like, "Yeah, we're making a map of the whole world." That sounds very. That,
0: that must have been steep. about two thousand five or so.
1: Yeah, map abstraction was a. Kind of a meadow library, a very lightweight meadow library on top of all of the different mapping APIs which were emerging at the time. Google Maps API, of course, which actually emerged after the hacks. So when Google Maps came out, a lot of folks, myself included, started tearing apart the JavaScript that was running it and doing unintended things with it, which was super fun. And um, there was an opportunity there, obviously, for Google and others followed suit. Um, And, of course, OpenStreetMap as well wanted to be um, an option for your base map. And the idea behind Mapstraction is that you could write once and then easily switch between the providers. So you could go to Google or Yahoo, had Yahoo Maps back then, or OpenStreetMap. And so it was kind of this Trojan horse for OpenStreetMap. And um, yeah, Steve and I and Tom Cardin. I believe, worked on on it back then. Andrew Turner, who I've done a lot of work with, um, is still maybe, I'm not sure if it was back then, but later as well. And the thing that I, I remember from the work on abstraction is, yeah, we, you gave us a small... Stipend. I, I can't remember how much. So like, I, I mean, uh, it can't have been more 15, than like five hundred f- pounds or something. Five hundred pounds, a thousand pounds, and we decided to take that and go out for like a ridiculously extravagant dinner in London. Oh, right okay. I, then I probably we got one of these five hundred um,
0: pounds. That was probably like hundred pounds. Then it was mo- no, it was
1: it was enough to pay for dinner, and it was like a, I remember we ordered a multi-level like seafood tray All right. with like, and um, Tom was. Uh, probably still is a vegetarian and (laughs) throughout the whole meal he had like you know like a lobster and you know uh all sorts of shellfish just staring him in the face and it was um it was uh it was super fun and uh and and felt over over the top um as as tech often uh, as tech often is did you go to speaking of i mean i know you're in barcelona now did you go to the um (laughs) back at in the yahoo days did you go to the, uh, the annual European sales gathering in Ibiza?
0: I, I, I did. We had, I went once to Ibiza. Um, I didn't go to the sales events every year, but I went to one. Uh, yeah, we had some fun times back in those days. Yeah. That was, ridiculous, that was yeah. the real Ridic- internet, Mikkel. None of this. That uh,
1: was the, yeah, we, we <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, that was over the top. The real internet, I know. Internet's changed a lot.
0: Let's um, take us very quickly, Mikkel, through the highlights of of all the things you've worked on around OpenStreetMap because I think that's why um, I, obviously most of our audience will know you. Because um, then, I mean, first of all, I, I think you were you were very instrumental in the beginning. I remember in those early days of like organizing the mapping parties and um, building some of the first software and like you, you know, I remember the Isle of Wight mapping party, um, and then you kind of went global. You kind of you know, the UK couldn't couldn't contain you. And I remember you were to go off to like India and stuff and like do mapping parties there and you were all over in like the Middle East and stuff. Take, take us through some of that.
1: Yeah, that was really what attracted me to OpenStreetMap was the potential to have that kind of global impact. Um, I was at that time already working in mapping and doing a lot of open source work, but very interested in very thorny problems like disaster response. Hurricane Katrina had happened, um, I think, in 2004, and the Southeast Asian tsunami. And so I was already thinking about how do we manage geospatial data better, faster—that takes advantage of what the internet is about. And um, I was lucky enough to be in the right place in the right time in London and in, in the UK. Met met Steve. It was the um, there was a big art scene around um, location tech. I mean, this is very, um, very European and British as well like funding for people to experiment with GPS units and do do funky things and beautiful things with them. So found OpenStreetMap. Um, I was a programmer, Um, I still program sometimes, but it's not the best idea for anybody. And uh, yeah, I did some of the work on the, the first I mean, the first website refresh—it it looks very similar <laughs> to what we have now, uh, for better or for worse. With the you know the map button, the edit button. Um, Tom Carden designed that in a, you know on the back of a napkin in a pub, literally, and um, you know modeled after Wikipedia. And but yeah, I was always thinking about well, how can this be? I don't know. Change the game with how mapping is done and be an equalizer and empower people. And um, and I've been very lucky and thankful for all the places that OpenStreetMap has taken me. So it was, I was immediately thinking about disaster response and how to like challenge what we were doing in environments that are very different than London and Berlin. Um, so that that took me into, to India in 2008, which was very different place back then, you know, get just, power, low to an internet connectivity. Hard to come by, but am- amazing reception from the open source community there. Um, I went with Skylar Earl, who's one of the, the co authors of the mapping hacks book, um, which I contributed to. And uh, we felt like rock stars as, uh, as mappers. Um, so did work there. Um, and from that had a reputation of someone who go to unusual places and do mapping. I did work in, um, in Palestine and the West Bank and on mapping. And that led to, led me to Kenya and MapKibera, uh, which happened later in 2009, uh, which is a large slum in, uh, in Kenya. I imagine most people listening know about MapKibera and, uh, that was, um, I, I could talk for a long time about that. Um, I did, I went there with my, my now wife, and uh, she has experience, she's degree and worked in international development, and so we took a very uh, long-term approach to working there. MapKaber is still um, still going strong and doing work in in Nairobi and across Kenya, and has inspired a lot of work. Um, and in parallel, I was, yes, for years sort of like nurturing the idea of humanitarian OpenStreetMap team. and. It got you know, named it in 2008 and got a logo and started to gather people who were, you know, excited about this idea and uh, the. Again, timing is everything. Um, terrible timing with the, of course, with the Haiti earthquake. But it was a right moment for OpenStreetMap to be um, be a real part of the the response and the equation because there was no there was really no alternative. And that was a proving ground, I think, not only for what became Hot, and I was on the, you know, the formation of of Hot as a organization, and on the board of Hot for for years. But I think also proved that OpenStreetMap was really viable. There's always been a commercial interest around OpenStreetMap from the very earliest days. I mean, as you know, you you felt that as well. Um, but it was still, you know. I think five, even, you know, going on 10 years, still fairly like crazy idea and um, not sure it would work. But Haiti and the later work by HOT, I think it really showed that, you know, quality, useful data could could happen in OpenStreetMap and I think opened the door for the the kind of commercial interest that we see today. And that was a lot of the original engagement, by the way, from, from companies was in was in engaging with with hot or mapping in places that were otherwise unmapped and, right, and right, not okay. on. Yeah. Um, so anyway, to wrap up my <laughs> my career, I've, I spent seven years at Mapbox. Um, after doing a year at the State Department, also working on on OpenStreetMap and open data within within the U.S. government. And I was at Mapbox for seven years, did a lot of work on the data team there um, and with OpenStreetMap um, and then a lot of work with nonprofits um, with the forming the community team and, and continuing that um, that that work that was part of Mapbox's DNA um, emerging from development seed you know, a few years before. So a lot of we we're talking about the pandemic before we, we started. We did a lot of work during COVID, including help Helping to launch vaccines.gov, which is the main site in the U.S. for people to find vaccines. So, a lot of great work in the social impact space at Mapbox, and um, yeah, I've been on the board of the OpenStreetMap Foundation and two two um, stints. I have the dubious honor of being the longest serving board member, and this is my last year. I term out, so um, no more um, from here, and I'll be able to really focus on what I'm doing these days, which is at Earth Genome, working on climate and environmental data science and, and thinking about how all kinds of data, including maps, can make a difference for our future.
0: Okay, so lots to unpack there. Mikhail, though. Um, first up, congrats on all of that. I mean, it is, it is absolutely amazing uh, how, far, how far we have come and, and all these projects and, and how they've evolved from you know, idea on the back of the napkin to... Uh, as you say, a uh, uh, core infrastructure that's used by people all around the, the world and um, heavily relied upon. So, so um, I guess now that now that we've wandered down memory lane, what, what what's what's your opinion of the current state of OpenStreetMap, of where we are? And I don't know if you want to answer personally or or speaking as a board member, or if 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 you're able to, is there a distinction between the two or? Yeah, I
1: yeah, that's that's a very fair point. I'm not. I think we'd have a much less interesting conversation if I was speaking on behalf of the OpenStreetMap Foundation. Not because the OpenStreetMap Foundation is is interesting, but I would need to try to you know take into my mind kind of a you know a lot of a lot of interests. And um, so yeah, I'm speaking as myself, but of course we'll touch. We can touch on the foundation and board work um, in the state of OSM. to a lot of degrees. I mean, I think it's, Open Stream app has always been something which has this amazing kind of like dichotomy in its reputation. And it's like really, like there's a lot of, it's seen as this amazing thing. And I still, I think it's, I was just thinking about it earlier. It's, am, it's amazing that it works. I'm still astounded that like every day, the, that this is the way that the fundamental geospatial data set of the world is created. And it works, and it continues to work. And um, I think in all of the debate about like what could happen or what we need to do, it's often lost. Like, actually, things are going pretty well. Um, so I think there's you know, OpenStreetMap's never been as widely used. Um, in, in all endeavors. And, uh, I think it's, I think, so I, it, in some sense, I think like, yeah, it's in really good shape. Now, um, I do think we're plateaued. Um, I think we've, you know, just, and now I'm thinking of, of particularly of the, you know, the OpenStreetMap Foundation and the board, you know, two, over two years ago, um, we had, I think you've had Alan Mustard on, uh, the podcast a couple of years ago, and this was a really amazing opportunity for OpenStreetMap to have someone with that level of experience as an, uh, an ambassador and just someone who had worked in really tough environments with lots of different kinds of people to come in and spend time thinking about, you know, how do we how do we get unstuck? And I feel like we've not to say that we that things were not happening before. I think OpenStreetMap Foundation's always been been um, been getting some things done with with the way that it's set up, but we started having conversations and considering things that before just were kind of non starter conversations. Particularly, and the thing that I'm, I'm most proud of that we've been able to do recently is is hiring people who we we need in order to keep things running. So Grant Slater as our our site reliability engineer and um, we have, we have Martin Reifer is you know, maintaining ID, and these were hard discussions to go through. It was a lot of work, um, and we made made it through. We also, so I think I'm really proud of that, and I think that was, a you know, Alan was definitely a catalyst for that. The other thing that changed over the past couple of years was we have moderation now uh, on our communication channels, on our mailing lists, on many of the, forum channels on, on discourse. And of course, it's still the internet, like, the internet is a painful place to be (laughs) a lot of the time. However, um, we're in a lot better shape. And we have like, you you know, broad consensus, and structures in place in order to make sure that like, we have not that everyone has to be nice to each other and everything, but that there's minimal expectations of the level of of how we talk to each other, and that's not to say that there's no problems with that. It's it's hard, but I think we're we're in a, a good place as well. Um, that's to say, we're I, I think I think we're on a plateau.
0: Yeah. Let, let me put one question to you, Mikkel. Um, uh, particularly given the context of someone who's been in Nova Streamer for so long and uh, has accomplished a lot. I feel like, I mean, open uh, the, the the power of open map is the community, and there are all these people who love the idea uh, and they love mapping, um, uh, and the, but they really, you know, are uh, fundamentally believe in this idea of open data and things like that, which is great. And then it feels like very often, in their enthusiasm, they kind of become their own worst enemies in terms of actually. Get getting things done within the community, right? In with their in their their zealotry, and um, you know, and part of it is, of course, we you know we're, people are coming from many different cultural backgrounds, and we, you know what's normal in one culture may may not be normal in another or whatever. But what's your advice to people out there who like OpenStreetMap, love OpenStreetMap, and and want to see the project thrive? As the best way that they can. Actually, get things done. What would you recommend to someone out there listening? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a very good question. I mean, first of all, I've been there. You know, i've I've always tried to think of myself as someone who has a a moderating presence on um, within within um, OpenStreetMap and other. But I've also been a zealot, and I think I've had times when I've. Communicated very poorly, um, and I think it's interesting because all of that does come from this, you know, this place of passion for what what we're trying to do. Um, so it's important to recognize that. I it's hard to give advice because I think everyone is is coming from such a different place, you know, and so I have to think of you know if I think of someone you know a particular person, I might have some. Different advice for, than for someone else um, in how they can how they can get things done. I think the biggest thing is patience, um, honestly. And that goes across the board whether someone is, as you said, kind of um, seemingly like communicating in a way that doesn't lead to productive outcomes or sort of can, can be in some ways self-defeating. Um, but also, you know, people who want who I think are great communicators, but also want, you know, want things to happen in OpenStream App. And it just takes, it takes a lot of time and patience for things to, to change in OSM. And I think that's okay because it's a very complex community, not just one community, but many communities. Mm. And I don't know, i I kind of think of, that represents the real world. Like making changes takes a long time. You have to have a lot of um, engagement and build up. It's kind of it's it's kind of political, you know. It's almost like um, or community development. These things take a long time. With Map Kibera, we went. We mapped actually in a month. The young people we worked with in the slum. One month we had a great map, but I wasn't satisfied until maybe three years later that we'd actually been able to do something useful with that map that was with the, the subsequent presidential election. And it would have been very easy for us, for Erica and I to tour the world and go up on stages and celebrate making this map. But so what, what difference does it make to, to the people in, in Kibera? And it was only in that presidential election where it become a became a, a pivotal part of is security and um, democracy and engagement, knowing where things are, that I felt like, oh, yes, we finally got something. And I think that is also true of, of OSM. It just takes a long time. And um, I think we're getting, believe it or not, I think we're kind of getting faster at some things. But having, whether you're you know at a, a company and wanting to see some things develop and change um, or you know, an individual who's really passionate, um, it's not going to turn on a, a dime. We have 20 years of, almost 20 years of history, and it's a lot of people involved, and there's a lot of data and software involved, and it take that's, um, uh, you have to be in there for the long haul and not get swept away by the, you know, the immediacy of, like, responding to someone on a, you know, a mailing list post.
0: As a long-time board member, any... Any kind of maybe anonymous anecdotes you can share about the um, the complexity of managing the community and the kind of you know wait, or maybe maybe let me put it this way what what's the biggest misconception that you know normal mappers have about uh, the OpenStreetMap Foundation and the, and what goes on within the OpenStreetMap Foundation board I mean sometimes I see emails and I'm just like does this be, Person have any concept of how an organization works, you know, and and often maybe they don't because maybe you don't know the the background of that person. But I feel like a, this is a big part of the problem.
1: Yeah, and that's fair. And I think it that it because how organizations work is hard, even regular ones. Not not you know, and we're talking about OpenStreetMap and OpenStreetMap Foundation, which are very unusual organizations. And right. and so. Um, I mean, you use the word manage the community, which I'm sure like, you know, a lot of people would be like, Oh,
0: we're not that's getting lot. managed, but,
1: but yeah, not getting managed oh, sure. by anyone. First. And I think, and that's, and that's, and I think that's fair. Cause it's a lot of, it does oftentimes, like, I think the closest analogy of how it, the work of the foundation feels is that it's sort of like governmental in a way. Um, or like a city council, um, there's, you have a lot of, you're, you're answering to a lot of, of different voices and different people. And there's naturally always conflict in any group of people. And that's two people (laughs) have conflict with each other and, um, that those things need to be worked out. And, you know, if you're in, in city government, uh, if you I don't know if you here in DC, Washington, DC, if you ever go to like a local government um community forum, they're very contentious and people have, you know, they people don't spend day in, day out communicating to other people in order to um, you know, meet meet an objective. Everyone has a lot of things going on in their life. And um and for many people OSM is is a hobby. So I, I guess I don't I think it's I think it's totally natural that no one that even people who are kind of close to OSM and OSMF, you know, um, have misconceptions. You know, I listened to I listened to the recent podcast with, with Simon Poole and 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 Mark Prelow. We both yeah. were, were great conversations. And I actually agree with most of what they said, but of course like there were times when I was talking back <laughs> to sorry, sorry. to my phone um because there's a discussion to be had there. I guess it, being reflective, I think that What's imperative for the foundation is to be a much better communicator. I think Alan Mustard was an excellent communicator and spent a lot of time listening to people, talking with people, and then being very clear in his thinking and where he, where he stood, where he, where, you know, the foundation thought things were. And, um, I think we need to institutionalize that, and be much more explanatory and what's, how things work, what's, what's going on, where things are at, so that it also can invite people in, um, when we have four new board members, like we, we just have from the election a couple months ago, um, you know, make it so that people have a really new board members have a really good idea of what they're getting into. And I think there's, um, So I think a lot of it just comes down to like over-communicating what what we're doing, what we're, what we're about being strategic about it. Um, It's part of what motivated me to, you know, to come on and uh, um, be, just have a high expectations for the, our level of communications. And as you know, I mean, you're a communicator, you've been doing the podcast, you've been organizing GeoMob for years and um, you know, you know, it's a skill to be a good communicator and to hold a, a space for people to have productive discussion and engagement. And, you know, maybe we need some help with that. Maybe we need, you know, maybe we need um, people who have, that's a discipline. Um, and uh, I've, my time at Mapbox, I spend, you know a lot of time close to the marketing teams there. And I got to see up close, like how, how hard that kind of, that kind of work is not to say we need a marketing team <laughs> at OpenStreetMap, but we need to um, we just need to put the kind you know the kind of um, detail oriented work that we put into making the map. You know we we need to do the same with communicating. We need we need to really invest time and effort into it.
0: Such a challenge. I mean, uh, very different skills, uh, and mm-hmm. also, uh, I mean the the challenge that OpenStreetMap faces of the the global the truly global nature of the community and the global nature of the the potential users of the service makes it uh, very difficult um, um yeah that will be ongoing work forever so what let's I hope let, so. Let's, let's let's talk about um uh, you said you listened to the episode with Mark, and, and so what, what? What's your take on Overture Maps? What um, what does that mean for OpenStreetMap? What do you what do you make of this? Um, how how do you see this situation? Yeah. What well, f- first thing is
1: it wasn't though? It was news to me. It wasn't surprising, and because uh, particularly of my time at Mapbox, um, I know and was directly involved with the work that goes into consuming OpenStreetMap data and making it available as a product. I mean, you, you do the same as yeah. well. And so you know that there's, it's it's not that, there's a lot of work to be done there. Um, you know, Mapbox ended up with, I mean, I think there's you know, a hundred, couple hundred people who's, who's part of, the, you know, some way part of their job is, um, making sure the data is, is high quality and that it aligns to the needs of the products and that it can be integrated with other data sources. And these companies and other companies have been doing that for years, um, but somewhat siloed. There's a lot of engagement between the companies um, over the years, um, particularly on, on quality and after some of the you know, notorious incidents like the Jutropolis thing a few years ago. And there was collaborations um, happening between companies on, well, how do we, what are the techniques? What are the pieces of software, the approaches we can use to keep data high quality, like the work that Apple has done, like the the software that they developed used other other places to maintain quality. Um, Mapbox, I'm really proud that we uh, adopted and supported the development of OSM-CHA, for years. And I feel that's a really critical tool, not, you know, for everybody, community broadly. Um, and, uh, and you saw daylight and represented a lot of, there's a lot of collaborations between companies with, with uh, the work on daylight. And what, so what's anyway, back to Overture, I think it's really great that this is now out in the open. Um, not that it was a secret before, but the work is, you know, going to be of making, not just OpenStreetMap data, of course, but I think in large part, very large part, is going to be OpenStreetMap data. Um, making that product ready and having that as an open source engagement is going to um, have you know have a lot of benefit. Um, and so I think it's it's much better that that's out in the open. Um, it's definitely challenging for OpenStreetMap, um, in part because there's a lot of there's a lot of details to you know in in that equation of well, what does it, what does it mean for, you know, particular kinds of features? What does it mean for, um, you know, is there ability to benefit from our software infrastructure, from our data, from the, the work that happens in Overture? Um, I think there's a, a genuine, you know, a genuine desire and, and stated intention to be, you know, to keep on in the same way that companies have engaged in OSM previously. And I think that's, that's great. But we're talking, you know, hopefully we're talking about OpenStreetMap in long timelines, you know, not just the next 20 years. Um, And so how does, how do things evolve? We know that companies can um, change their strategy and their directions. And so how do we set things up? I think it's a real challenge. How do we set things up between Overture and OpenStreetMap in a way that is mutually beneficial and that is resilient to uh, in the long term I think the biggest challenge honestly is is around rep reputation and I think there's a big risk that the overture becomes I mean, m- very you know more well known or is is understood as kind of like the you know, the place where maps are made. And that in the long term is to the, the detriment of, of OSM if there's a decline in like community, you know, the contributions and community. However, I don't think that's Overture's fault. I think that's OpenStreetMap's um, challenge, um, getting back to communi- communication. We, OpenStreetMap should be much more well known than it is. Um, I mean, certainly, like, there's a lot of, a lot out in in the world of about the work of HOT. Um, there's some things, you know, but mainly within our industry about how central OpenStreetMap has been to the, you know, development of, you know, mapping products that people use every day. But I still think it's re- relatively unknown and, and misunderstood, and that's, again, why I think it's... It's our risk, you know, the risk is there, Overtures kind of maybe accelerates it or brings it to the fore that we need to work on making sure that OpenStreetMap is, is really widely understood because that's how we, how we continue to, to grow and, um, and, and expand
0: and engage with, with new uses and new people. Okay, good, good. I I liked your point about the timeline, Mikhail. About that, I see one one of the risks is that companies companies come and go, um, you know, and even I, I mean, as you and I well know, we worked at Yahoo when it was the king of the internet, and 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 now, now Yahoo doesn't really exist, right? And and it would have been unthinkable back then, you know, and so. You know who knows what in in ten years time what the what the commercial landscape will look like, of which companies will be doing what, and whether they'll be able to sustain their efforts or want to sustain their efforts. But meanwhile, the OpenStreetMap project needs to keep keep moving along, right, and keep attracting new contributors and um, and and making sure that we we keep the community thriving, because that's the only way we're going to keep the map thriving. So. I mean, it's amazing.
1: Twenty, you know, almost twenty years. How many things that have developed on the internet have lasted that long? It's only a handful, you know, that are really. And, sure. um, but yeah, it's a. That's my biggest, you know, where I put my like my energy is is thinking about okay, what is the, how do we, ensure OpenStreetMap is is, where it deserves to be for the long term. Um, cause I, I think it's really, I think it's, it's vitally important. Um, and, and so that way I think it's great that Overture is, 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 coming out. And I think a lot of the people who are involved have, you know, history in, in OSM and we just need to be open, cautious, figure out how to, how to work together. But at the same time, like really, I think professionalized or just be be really strategic and and, um, and and thoughtful about how we how we communicate and how we talk about OpenStreetMap and really make sure it it has its right you know that it's its rightful place. Everyone knows Wikipedia, of course, because it's you know it's it's a everyone can see it. Um, so I don't expect we'll ever be as well known, but it should be like it's an amazing story, and I think where people who are close to it, like us, are it we forget, you know, how unusual it is, and there should be, I don't know, I don't know if there should be a movie about, like, about <laughs> Steve, about, a biopic, but, you know, what I mean, there's, this would well, be more part yeah, of the, part of the culture.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I mean, with all respect to Steve, obviously, he, he was the, the initiator, but, my memory of those days is, uh, you know, it's not about any one individual. It was really, truly about the, the community. So that being said, of course, many individuals played, played key parts at decisive moments. But for me, that's the most amazing thing about OpenStreetMap is that, you know, you can go anywhere in the world and meet local OpenStreetMap people. And um, that's really cool. It's awesome. It, yeah, you can
1: go anywhere it's like, and, and connect with people. And that's been, and I've traveled every, you know, a lot of places, and that's been the vehicle for that. So, it's that's an amazing thing.
0: A lot more to talk about, Mikhail, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. But, um, maybe very quickly, I mean, you you recently, or maybe, maybe it wasn't even that recently, or I guess a year ago or so, you left um, Mapbox and you you moved to a new company. Maybe tell us about what that is and how that relates to what made you make that move and, and what kind of how does that pertain to, to geodata and what are you up to now? Professionally?
1: Sure. I, well, I was at Mapbox for seven years and I left in September. Um, okay.
0: So, so recently. So pretty sorry.
1: recently, but I had, a lot of it comes back to, I make big decisions on, these days when I have kids. <laughs> so I had my first um, almost, you know, just over nine years ago. And after that I decided, oh, I want to, I want to try spending time in government. Um. And then, uh, I had my second and that led to a switch in my work at Mapbox from focused on, on data to focusing on working with nonprofits and social impact with the community team. And, um, and when I, we just had our, our third and my, the thing that I think about the most over, you know, over the years is the environment and climate. And I had a lot of time to reflect, and I really felt I need to be spending, I need to be doing the most I possibly can to contribute with what I have to, you know, to the 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 biggest challenge of our, of our time. And I want to be not just worrying about it, but I want to be able to do something about it. And I, not to say that at Mapbox, I, I felt like there was a lot of opportunity, especially with the community team, to support people who were doing amazing work on... Um, environmental justice and in um, climate change, but it was at a remove. I was um, not directly implementing and building and, and being a part of, of figuring out what to do. It was more of a, how can Mapbox help what you're doing? Which was great. But it, so I made a move um, in September and I joined Earth Genome, which is a nonprofit, uh, small, kind of a startup that's been around for a few years
0: about 15, 20 people. And then what are you do? I mean, what's, the, what's the, the product or what is the service that's provided?
1: Yeah, there's a few different areas. Um, probably the thing that's most well-known is many of the you know, major sites on environmental data and, and climate have been built by the folks uh, here. So I joined and very quickly jumped into the helping to launch the new version of Climate Trace, which is a site um, supported by Vice President Al Gore to um, track the emissions at an individual asset level globally. So every power plant, every steel plant, every uh, every, um, livestock facility, there are lots of people who are building, you know, processes and analyses and use of machine learning and remote sensing to get good mission estimates of all these things. And so we collected all of that, well, the coalition collected all of that together and um, Earth Genome was doing a lot of the, the data engineering to pull that together and the development of the website and the, and the map. So that's a big. That was a very big project for us. Um, and there's a whole portfolio of work, um, similar um, things like Global Plastics Watch and Amazon Mining Watch were both developed here. So there's, um, and I, I lead product here. So those kind of, those kind of work where we're working with partners or coalitions to give climate environmental data, like the best possible treatment and presentation and lead to the most impact it can possibly get. So we're the people here, like there's, there's data scientists, pro, data engineers, uh, journalists. Um, designers, user experience people, I think, I love that we can bring, you know, some, some of the folks here have history working in, um, brand and design for fortune 500 companies, and we can bring that level of, of polish to environmental data and climate data, which is often presented in very, you know, not in a way that is going to, it communicates a lot, dry scientific, GISC. Um, and you want, if you want to reach people, you want to reach people who are going to make decisions, you need to really think about what data is really necessary and how to organize it in a way that really makes sense. And so it's so a lot of what we do. And we also do a lot of work on, um, remote sensing and machine learning. There's a, um, a, a tool product we're developing called earth index, which, um, is, uh, indexes. Satellite imagery, in order to facilitate really fast searches of imagery for change, uh, detect where things have changed or find similar things. Um, so, Amazon Mining Watch is a good example of how that's used. We can um, identify, you know, a small set of of training data or or sample data of where um, say artisanal gold mines have, um, developed or have been developed in the Amazon. And then very quickly without not with, without developing any specialized algorithms can, can find other examples of things which have a similar, um, similar footprint or similar, you know, similar, uh, have a similarity to that, um, across the Amazon or, or change, you know, where, where places, which before, were forest and now there's development of of cattle feeding operations so earth index is a is a big part of what we're we're developing as well all all oriented towards you know solving really tough problems making it really fast and and accessible to as many people as possible not people who are in our space you know really trying to make it available to be more not like remote sensing experts but can, um, can click on a map, you know, if you can click on a map, you should be able to find the things that you, you know, that are important for the agenda of your work. So I'm very happy <laughs> spending the time every day do, thinking about that kind of work. And, um, you know, uh, I'm excited to connect with other people who are, who are also working on topics like that or places where we could collaborate.
0: Well, congrats on the new role, uh, Mikhail. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think many people over the last couple of years, this is something I've heard more and more at, at Geomob events and just in this geospatial community. Obviously, geospatial has a key role to play in climate change, and people are trying to think of how they can get involved and, and uh, turn their their technical skills into actual action and, and improved outcome. It's not, it's, it's not always so clear. Um, so, in that regard, I think possibly in some ways <laughs> similar to the challenge with the, at OpenStreetMap, and as you have a, a highly motivated people, but from highly varied backgrounds, who, and, and in some cases able to work together and produce amazing things, and in other cases just getting in each other's way. So um, that's why you you, do, you really do have to
1: have patience and 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 focus over you know, a long, a long time. Um, things don't happen overnight. You don't necessarily find, you know, you have an intention or something you want to do. That's not, it's not going to be immediately apparent how to do it. Like I had the idea for hot, you know, in 2005, it took like five years for it to actually actualize. And, uh, sure. so, you know, it's really, if, if there's something that you really care about, you know, just like, it's going to take a long time to learn about it and to, you know, there's going to be mistakes and, um, convincing and it's maybe works differently than what you expected. Um, and so I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that's on people's minds and, you know, yeah, it's, um, keep, keep hold of that no matter what you're, you're doing. And hopefully, you know, eventually you'll be, you know, right time and right place to like do, you know, to, to do something with it.
0: All right, well, on that positive note, let's, let's wrap up my carpet. Um, hopefully the right time and the right place will include seeing you at an a in-person GeoMop event again at some point. I don't know if you have any plans to make it back to London. or uh... I'd love to go. Yeah, I, I would love for that to happen, but I rarely leave
1: my house uh, most days, so <laughs> we'll see how it goes.
0: Maybe for for the OpenStreetMap twentieth uh, anniversary or something that might be a fitting. Oh yeah, yeah, we should really do. Yeah, I mean that you're that's maybe a good we should point. do a do really big party should. in London or something. And uh, we should it should be a big deal. You're right. We can can truly reminisce about the about the Glory days. <laughs> yeah. Cool.
1: Well, thanks, thanks for um, thanks for having me on, and thanks, yeah, thanks for you know for doing these and hosting these you know conversations with people in our. Our space I think it's really it's really great to hear people directly you know the conversations that you can't necessarily have because you can't jump over to London um, I think it's right. it's
0: nice well thanks for coming on the show and sharing your perspective and um, uh, of course if, if you ever come across people who would be interesting to, to perhaps give wider exposure to then um, please send me send those to me and we'll see if we can get them on the show and uh, yeah keep up the good work right on Thanks, Ed. Bye. Thanks for joining us today and listening to the GeoMob podcast. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Please get in touch with us if you have any feedback or suggestions for topics we should cover. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our monthly mailing list, where we keep you informed about upcoming events. You can, of course, also follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. Thanks for listening and hope to see you at a GeoMop event soon.